morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Good to see you. Well, um, so we'll look at Surah Al-Ra'ad today. And uh, if, if Aisha, if you could uh, lead us in the Fatiha, we'll take it from there. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Malik yawmiddin. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqim. Sirat al-lazina an'amta alayhim. Those are the signs of the book, and that which has been sent down to you from your Lord is the truth, but most people do not believe. God is He who raised up the heavens without pillars. You can Without pillars, you can see. Then he sat upon, he sat himself upon the throne. He subjected the sun and the moon, each one running to a term stated. He directs the affair. He distinguishes the signs. Happily, you will have faith in the encounter with your Lord. It is he who stretched out the earth and set therein firm mountains and rivers. And of every fruit, he placed there two kinds covering the day with the night, surely in that are signs for a people who reflect. And on the earth are tracts, neighboring each to each, and gardens of vines, and fields sown, and palms in pairs, and palms single, watered with one water, and some of them we prefer in produce over others, above others. Surely in that are signs for a people who understand. Thank you. And then Salah, if Salah could recite for us. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alif Lam. الله الذي رفع السماوات بغير عمد ترونها ثم استوى على العرش وسخر الشمس والقمر كل يجري لأجل مسمى يدبر الأمر يفصل الآيات لعلكم بلقاء ربكم توقنون وَهُوَ الَّذِي مَدَّ الْأَرْضَ وَجَعَلَ فِيهَا رَوَاسِيَ وَأَنْهَارًا وَمِنْ كُلِّ الثَّمَرَاتِ جَعَلَ فِيهَا زَوْجَيْنِ اثْنَيْنِ يُوشِ اللَّيْلَ النَّهَارِ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ وَفِي الْأَرْضِ قِطَعٌ تجاورات وجنات من أعناب وجنات من أعناب وزرع ونخيل صنوان وغير صنوان 
Thank you. And so we'll, that verse the, there, the yusqa bil mai wahid, given water with one water, or or this yusqa here is from saqi. And in here in New Mexico, we have asakia, asakia. And so asakia and asakia is that which brings you the water. And saqi is the one who brings you the wine. And Ibn Arabi keeps pointing us to what's brought to us, the water that's brought to us is one. Okay. Now let's see if we can get this. Uh, okay. Okay. So in this uh, chapter is where a lot of the cosmological diagrams are coming. And one of them is in the margin is this small one here, which is a cylinder with these two ends. And so we'll look at that uh, right now. And he'll be talking about these two eyes and the two high paths. And this is from the verse that we looked at in Surat al-Balad, number 90. So Ibn Arabi begins this with, only someone who has two eyes will learn what we are establishing here, not someone who is a possessor of a single eye. And whoever halts to learn between the two high paths will learn this too. So you look over the end of each path, Thus you journey along the path of your felicity, the path which was not preceded by wretchedness. You see this as an easy path, smooth, exemplary, clear, unmixed terrain, no crookedness and no curve. So we're looking at this path, which is, he draws it as a cylinder. So very significant that this is a cylinder. But the other path, even if her end is felicity, so this other path is also going to the same endpoint or end circle, yet in the path there are tracts of desert with no water and places of perdition and violating predators and dangerous snakes. The created being will not reach the past end until he suffers these terrors. The two paths are near each other, dispatched from a single ground and terminating at a single ground, but they are differentiated by what is between the two grounds and what is between the commencement and the end. Their image is drawn in the margin as you see. So there it is up there. You on the clear way witness was what is in the path of your friend because you are sighted and your friend is blinded. So the blinded does not see the path of the sighted. You the sighted one are overcome with fear upon witnessing these calamities which are along the path of the blinded one. You see the terrors and you think to yourself that if you were in there with your sight, you would not suffer its hard severity. And you see that the blinded one has no information about any of this at all, as he is with the other blinded ones. So he cites nothing. So no one around him is telling him what, what's there, what the terrors that are there. Thus the blinded one is enjoying his course until he falls into a hole or one of the snakes bites him. Only at that moment does he feel pain and he cries out for help to his friend. So crying out for help is Rauf, the one who, that, who brings succor to who you cry out to and they bring you help. And among the friends is one who gives him help. And among the friends is one who has already gone ahead 
so he does not hear him. So he is driven along against his will as long as God wishes. Then God is mercifully kind to him and he reaches his felicity. So the, the blind versus the ones who can see with understanding. Uh, Omar, if you'd read that for us. I'm, try, I'm trying to see it. something in the screen is not. Oh, um, yeah. Is then one who does know that that which has been revealed to you from your Lord is the true, like one who is blind? It is those who are endowed with understanding that receive uh, admonition. Thank you. So this cylinder is the being given one water, but this one water is is not a single line it's something else and so that's what we look at next so then the let's see what sorry so the first uh, major cosmological diagram here in chapter 371 is this one about the mist and so if you look at that circle uh, he has around it angelic stations um, angelic stations of the astounded ones and then in this that triangle, the first intellect, and he is the pen. And so this first diagram, the caption that Ibn Arabi writes is, an image of the mist and what he encircles to the throne settled by the name, the supremely compassionate, Ar-Rahman. But the sight of the images of the shape is very constricted here, not spacious enough to encompass the images we want to give shape to in a single drawing. If it could be spacious enough, this would be most clarifying for the observer. So this is quite an amazing passage, actually. They, these diagrams are very dense and they're very accurately and precisely drawn. They're drawn very thoughtfully. Um, he's bringing out things that come out. If you know what he's talking about, you can begin to see how these illustrations really do illustrate that. And yet, still, of course, he's saying it's not enough. He, he wishes that it could be more clear, because if it were clear, then it would all, all under, be understood. So look at these two circles, the two forces, the quwatain, the two forces. So we'll have a look at that right now. Okay. So these two forces are also like a cylinder, and they're like a braid, a, a braid of, of, or a twist. And what happens is that we, when he draws a line um, and we think of things as a line, we actually have to bump up the, the dimensionality of that line. So the line has to become a plane or a volume or even more. And one of the ways in, in topology and in physics that spaces are seen to be more than lines or more than planes and volumes is the, is the imagery of these twisting cords or these ropes. So these two forces, the kuwatain, the two circles, uh, throughout the Futuhari talks about these two forces. They're the alif and lam. So alif, lam, the A and the L, alif, lam. They're male, female. 
they are night, day, they are knowing, doing, pen, tablet. And these are uh, braided and, and moving through, through time and space as a braid. So instead of a line, like a timeline, we have to up the dimensionality and see a time plane or a time volume. And when we looked at this in numbers, we were looking at complex numbers. So we have a number line and then a number plane. In complex numbers, uh, the four also has a vertical dimension as well. So it's a, in a plane. And so you could say four I, and then you're putting yourself in a plane instead of on a lumber line. And in fact, there are also numbers which are even more dimensionality than the complex number. And these are ones that, that have spaces that are not just on a number line or even a number plane. So Ibn Arabi will tell us that, that the sounds that are coming out of our throat, our mouth, that, the, that each of these places in our mouth which produce sounds, so the ha comes from the chest and then the, the last letter is the wav, which is where the lips make the wav. And so that ha and wav that is the who, it's the process from the inner chest all the way past the lips. And each of these letters then has a exiting place, a place where the sound of the air touches and then they get transformed. So dentals get transformed by teeth and palatals get transformed in the palate and linguals and laryngeals and all these other ways of describing where the letters are formed. So what the letters are actually all of them coming from one water, which is the breath of Arahman through the chest. And then they're modulated by the parts of the mouth. And these modulating places in the mouth correspond to all sorts of other things. For instance, celestial bodies. So Venus and Mars, they will, have, they will be connected to letters. Now, Venus and Mars are very far away from my throat and yet, Ibn Arabi sees them as being in a single line. So what he's saying is that this single line, a million miles long, is wrapped up around. Uh, and so as it's wrapped up and wound tight, the process from one edge to the next is very quick and very fast. So I can take a million miles of thread, wrap it around, wind it so tightly, and then it will only occupy on this dimension a very, very small place, for instance, between the palate and the, and the teeth. And so this is how Ibn Arabi connects all of this. And it seems, always seems to me, how can we be connecting celestial bodies, elements, names, letters, zodiacs, generators, subjugations, connecting all of these things which can be so very, very far apart and yet he's talking about them as being immediate and very close. And one of the images is that is this threading and the tightly wound part. So with that tightly wound, uh, we there things that are happening are happening because of opposites and things that are and, and felicity and wretchedness uh, and then day and night. So all of these interactions are threads which are forever braided and, and winding throughout time and in and throughout space. So here Ibn Arabi says that God, God clarified with what he made law, the true from the false. 
with the false and the unbelief, its final place is to vanishing. So things that are false and unbelief, they vanish because they have no entity. The false is not something that is. And just the way the idol is not a God that is, and therefore it vanishes. And when you say that nothing, the only thing that cannot be forgiven is idolatry, the reason it can't be forgiven is because there is no being in the idol. The idol has no being, and therefore there's nothing there to be forgiven. As for the accidental matters, which are not in a place where they are descended from a divine command, they are ahwa, they are heirs. And those properties disappear when they disappear. So these heirs, they just come and then they disappear because they have no solid uh, reality. And when they disappear and the entity which had received them and had been characterized by them as a site of being, the wretchedness disappears from that site. And whoever enters the fire among them enters her only in order to banish from him his dross and to have remain his goodness. So when the dross is skimmed off and the goodness remains, this one is spoken of as felicitous, the one whose felicity is in his being destroyed through his chabath, which is firing to make the iron molten and then skimming off the dross. This is how the matter truly is. Uh, Omar, can you see that this one all right? كذلك يضرب الله الحق والباطل فأما فأما الزبد فيذهب جفاء وأما ما ينفع الناس فيمكث في الأرض كذلك يضرب الله الأمثال okay. I can't find its translation okay, I'll go ahead do that uh, he sends down water from the skies and channels flow, each according to its measure, but the torrent bears away the foam that mounts up to the surface. Even so, from that ore which they heat in the fire, desirous to make ornaments or utensils therewith, there is a scum likewise. Thus does God by parables show forth truth and vanity, for the scum disappears like froth cast out, while that which is for the good of humankind remains on the earth. Thus does God set forth parables. Good. Okay. And so this fire as a necessary clearing away. Is there something that the fire does which burns away? And so we have this ilahi. Divan peace, rain upon 
So this is where then astrology comes. Uh, I think we'll we'll just breeze over this. So astrology is that all of these motions are taking place and they are linked to the motions that are taking place with us daily in our lives. And how this linkage takes place, Ibn Arabi says is inda. And inda is, could mean like with or parallel to. So these celestial bodies and these these actions over here they don't make this happen um and so there's there but they are correlated by being with them or parallel to them and so parallel to these celestial bodies is what's happening to us in day to day and so this is how all the way to the way the the, the fetus is developing all of these are connected because they're like on a long string, even though it could be a million miles away, it's tightly wound and therefore very close. So the so upper celestial bodily movement is one, but their newly forms next to them in the elements and the generators, different matters not fenced in. And so it is just as we know that God created the people from a single soul and he is Adam, and he made us different in our intellects, widely distinct in our considering faculty, while the root is one. Among us, there's the pure and the corrupt and the clear and the murky. And what is between the two? And expansive in character and constricted inside straightened character. So the trunk is one and the branches are multiple. So the true is trunk and the existent beings are branches. So the the imagery that Ibn Arabi will be coming up with these di cosmetic diagrams, he'll have to talk about what happens to this configuration of the earth of this world. And when he looks at that, he tells us about the tent pole. So the tent pole is, is what holds up the entire cosmos. What holds up the cosmos is this pivot or tent pole. And the tent pole is the one that says Allah, Allah. And it's for that, that Allah creates the universe. And so when that tent pole is gone, the entire edifice collapses because that tent pole was that which held up every part of it. Every part of it was held up by that tent pole. Okay. And so, and what happens well the, the tent the sky will be weakened so learn that as the complete human being is a tent pole support of the sky which god holds by his being the sky from falling to the earth when the complete human being goes apart a remove and transfer to the membrane the sky sinks and this is his word and the sky will be rent asunder for she will be on that day weakened that is she will drop down to the earth and the sky is a body, diaphanous, burnt and hardened. So when the, when the sky sinks, a heat of the fire loosens her body and she returns to dust, red dust, like flowing oil, like a firebrand. 
to, to as she was in the first iteration. And the illumination of the sun ceases, then the stars are extinguished, so no light remains with them, except their swimming orbits do not cease in the fire. No, in fact, they are scattered, but they are in other than the order which they course in this world today. Some principles are provided to the family of the fire, to the measure God reveals to them, because in the other world, the otherworldly configuration is newly formed. The first intellect does not know this configuration, nor does the protected tablet. This is why he says that he will praise God on the day of arising in the praise station with praises he does not know now, God teaching them to him during this day, commensurate with what emerges about that from a property of the divine names, no one knowing them today. So the configuration of the creation and their states and what will be with them during the arising for judgment and the two abodes is other than the configuration of this world even though the configuration will resemble this one in image. This is why I said, you have learned the first configuration. So why are you not reminded to heed with dhikr that the configuration is going to be without analogy, mithal. In this way, configuring you into a form you did not know on the day of arising. So the, this is the temple holding up the cosmos. And everything then will be destroyed except our faces. And so this is everything will be destroyed except its faith, face. Now the breath was the first unseen to emerge visibly to himself. So the true was in it based on his name, Arab, the cherisher, like the throne on the day which he settled on it with the name Arahman. And it was the first thickening of a light-based diaphanous mist to emerge visibly. So the mist is the first that emerges and it is light-based and diaphanous, it's a mist. So when it was differentiated from what it emerged visibly from, and it is not other than who, so it emerged visibly from who, it's the sigh of who for wanting to be recognized, wanting to be known. He made it as a spatial temporal vessel for who. So the mist coming, the sigh coming from who is the temporal spatial vessel for who. You see, there is no vessel who has except the entity of who. So it's not like there's a vessel with, with who, and then there's who over here. The entity of who is the vessel of who. So a property of the vacuum emerged with the emergence of this breath. And if not for this, we would not speak of a vacuum. Thereafter, he brought out in this myth, the entirety of images of the universe about which one says, and it will all be destroyed meaning in the place of its images, except its face, meaning except his truth, because who is other than something which is destroyed. Thus the ha in wajahu, in his face or its face, refers to the thing, it refers to us. So everything that is the images of the universe is destroyed, except it's our truths. So it, he, us are not destroyed, and it is not possible for us to be destroyed. So we are not then other than the entity of who, and therefore its face, our face, cannot be destroyed. And this one, very powerful one, nature is above intellect. And of course, this is going against all the philosophers and Ibn Arabi will explain how this works. There isn't being only the multiple one. 
So there's outside of being, there is the, the one, which is being, and then inside being, there is the multiple one. From here emerge visibly the astounded angels. There's the ones that we saw in that circle, the astounded angels, and the intellect and the soul and nature. And nature is the most observing correlate to the true compared to any others. So the most one, the one that is most correlated to the true is nature, not intellect, not soul, nature. You see, he made everything other than her. And so because it's a capital N, we're doing a capital H here. He made everything other than her emerge visibly only from her. The true is the breath and the true flows throughout the universe in the images of the universe. With this property, the true radiates brilliantly and tajelli into the images which we cited from his self. This for the one who understands based on him whatever he reported about himself. Now ponder the universality of the force of nature and ponder the shortfall of the force of the intellect. You see, the intellect is in the true dimension, one of the images of nature. Yes, one of the images of the mist. And the mist is based on the images of nature. But the philosophers don't think that way, don't see that way. They see intellect is superior to nature. Now, in fact, one takes, of course, nature, feminine, intellect, masculine. Now, in fact, one takes, whoso takes the step level of nature to be below soul and above matter, it's account, on account of him not seeing the things as they truly are. And even if he is someone who sees them, and he proceeds with this argument, he mean, I mean by her here, nature. So he, the, these philosophers are talking about small n nature, and Ibn Arabi is talking about the capital N nature. She, nature, the small n, is correlated to n, the big nature, as the daughter is correlated to the woman who is the mother. She brings forth offspring just as her mother brings forth offspring, even though the daughter was born from her. She has parenthood over everyone who is born from her. It is like the elements on our side close to us. They are nature delivered by her. And in this way are the constituent parts of the composition in the animal body. This is why we call her nature with the small n, just as we call the daughter and the daughters and the mother perfect female, and we make the plural perfect females. We said this, in fact, for our bringing out something of the shape of the female in order to draw amthal, these diagrams, these cosmological diagrams in chapter 371, in order to bring this closer to people whose understandings fall short of perceiving meanings without pictures drawn. So those of us like me who need to have a picture drawn, that's why we have these pictures. You see, God did not make Marifav the human being of oneself, except by drawing a likeness to Marifav one's Lord. So who recognizes his self recognizes his Lord. You see, if you do not recognize yourself, you do not recognize your Lord. And just one minute. Okay, here we go. So now we're back to this, the, the diagram here. And it's the, the astounded ones are the one on the outside. And so what's, what happens is that this circle then because becomes the cosmos and this and the astounded ones, the angels who are astounded are, are on the outside, because they're not even inside the cosmos, they don't recognize themselves, they don't see anything but they see their object of love, the one they love, and they can't even see themselves. So they are the astounded ones and seeing only God. 
And they, they correlate then to the malamia, to the special people who are the brides of God. And these brides of God are also outside of creation in the sense that people in the creation don't see them and know who they are. And they don't even see themselves and know who they are. So they are just utterly focused on the divine. So they are outside and invisible to creation. Now, when Ibn Arabi has this whole, the fourth, I guess, section, the whole fourth, no, the second section, the Muhammad, when he has a section of all the virtues, he says that the Arafin, the mystics, are have this degree. And he says that the uh, Malamia, these special people, the brides of God, have this other degree. And it's always 31 less. That's the sense that the Aleph and the Lam, which is the definite article. So this first triangle is the Aleph, and all the other triangles are the Lam. And so th one plus 30, 31, they're also always short 31 because they are short the definite article because they don't know themselves and no one knows who they are. So they are unknown. And if they're unknown, that means that they are indefinite grammatically. And so the Malamia then correspond to the astounded angels who are unknown to themselves and no one really sees them because they are just so confounded and perplexed and wrapped up and astounded by the divine. And this astounding we have with uh, the same the idea that these astounded angels then correspond to these brides of God who are, through the angels themselves, are astounded by. None can equal him, prophets by his side, light of the whole earth, exalted by Allah. Souls amazed, angels amazed by his sanctity. Sayyid Sultan Abdul Qadir Gailani, who to above the eyes, actors of the saints, the throne and the pen shine within his heart. Souls amazed, angels amazed by his purity. Sayyid Sultan Abdul Qadir Gailani. Hak la ilaha illallah, Allah, 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 Allah. Robes of Rahman, Allah's grace, Zikrullah wisdom, one essential face. Souls amazed, angels amazed by his mastery. Say, Sultan Abu Qadir Gailahani, he is seeking me, me his beloved. I be my shub, bewildered with great love. Souls amazed, angels amazed by his mystery. Say, it's Sultan Abu Qadir Gailahani. 
now looking at the the way the first intellect comes and of course first intellect he says call the first intellect called the light of muhammad um, whichever you call so he talks about the first intellect which is the first that comes through in the mist and he saw this first intellect saw that from the true there was something not with the astounded spirit so these astounded angels so he knew that he had a more proximate correlation to the true than the rest of the spirits and he saw in the gem core of the mist an image of the complete human being who is to the true in the position of the shadow of the individual to the individual so the light of muhammad the first intellect looks and sees that there is a complete human being who is going to come and he saw himself less than this degree so this is, I mean, Ibn Arabi is not saying who this is and who the, and who he's just giving us very much third person pronouns here. Uh, because when you begin to look at it, it becomes very, very powerful. So the first intellect, the light of Muhammad sees himself less than this degree of the complete human being who will be the Muhammad وسلم, who enters into the body. And he knew what was made in the creative process from him. That is the world until it's next in this world and in the engendered beings. So he knew that he inevitably would reach the degree of completeness which belonged to the complete human being, even if there was not in this degree any like the human being yet. So before all, you know, the Adam, Eve is the lump of clay, the light of Muhammad is the prophet and he can see what's coming. You see completeness is in the complete human being actually while in the first intellect, it is potentially, and who is actually and potentially, he is more complete in being compared to someone who is potentially, but not actually. This is why the world was brought into being in his entity. So he exited from the potential to the actual in order to be characterized by complete measuring power. If it were in the possible creation of the enabled beings, all of them, not one of them would abandon a characterizing title in non-being but it is impossible for that non-being to end. And whatever enters into being, inescapably there will be an end. Okay. Uh, Omar, are you able to seal this one? Yeah. There, there is a sajda on this one. You wanted to mention it, Sean? Yeah, yeah, please. Okay. Um, Whatever beings there are in the heavens and the earth do prostrate themselves to God with goodwill or in spite of themselves. 
so do their shadows in the mornings and the evenings. So the complete human being is the shadow to the true. So the truth shadow is this complete human being. And the complete human being is this perfect humanity. And that perfect humanity has a shadow, whether they are willing to make the shadow or know that they're making the shadow or whether it's happening automatically without them knowing. And so this is the shadow of the human being. And this is why the saints see all of us as ones who are the shadow of the true. Whatever we're doing or whatever we're not doing, whatever we think we're doing or whatever we think we're not doing. Then the true radiated brilliantly to him in Tajali. So this is the first intellect. And he saw a shadow belonging to his Zat. So his own essence had a shadow. Because this Tajali was like the speech to Moses from the side of the mountain. In this way was the divine Tajali to this intellect from the right side. Indeed, God has two blessed hands spread forth in munificence, meaning in the two hands there is Rahma. Nothing of torment is associated with the two hands. So which of the two hands? Adam says, both the hands of my Lord are blessed. So there is no torment in any of the hands. He provides Rahma by her being spread forth in munificent in one hand, and he provides Rahma by being clutched in the other hand. So spread forth and clutched, both are Rahma. You see the clutching embraces and the spreading out made spacious and ample. So both the stretching out and the clutching are Rahma. So this was the shadow extending out from the Zat of the intellect, from the light of that Tajali, and from the new thickening vis-a-vis -vis the subtle, the all-aware, there was a soul. He is the protected tablet. Nature, essentially, was with that one holy, and he is called life, knowledge, desire, speaking. It is just as he is called in the bodies hot, cold, dry, wet. It is just as he called in the elements fire, air, water, earth. It is just as he called in the animated body, black bile, yellow bile, phlegm, blood. And the entity is one, but the property is different. The entity is one, but the property is different. This is a secret for the family of knowledge disclosed in Kash. So the water that is being brought by Sati, the Asekia water is bringing a single water. And when who breathes into the mist, the vessel of the mist is the entity of who is not other than the entity of who. And so therefore the intellect turned his face to the mist and he saw what remained in there, what was not emerging visibly in an image. And he cited what the images in the mist, which were emerging visibly there, had made shine brilliantly in these images. And what remained a non-image, he saw as pure light blocking. And he saw that he accepted and received the images and the bright shining. So he marked, he made the mark. So you should know that this is only by means of your gaps being stitched closed by your shadow. Your shadow stitches closed your gaps. Then the divine Tajali spreads universally, just as the pleasure of sex spreads universally in the soul of the one having sex, until one is absented from everything intelligible and knowing, except her zat, the pleasure zat. Then when the light of the Tajali spreads universally, your shadow returns to you and you are made one thereby. 
the meaning-based sect originates from the throne about whom the true cited that he settled on him the name Arahman. He said Arahman on the throne settled. So no one denies him who denies him, I mean the name Arahman, except because of an inordinate proximity as closeness itself is a veil. We are nearer to him than the juggler cord, the juggler vein, but are not seen. They only confirm Allah, the name Allah, God, when they include this name with Rahma and Qahar, the force. Then it is known. And they do not know Ar-Rahman, as they say, what is Ar-Rahman? So they all know Allah, but they say, who is Ar-Rahman? And if they were speaking in a language other than Arabic, they would be saying something like this in meaning. And denial among them would transpire in that iteration. There is nothing closer than Rahma to the creation because there is after all nothing closer to them than their being. And their being is Rahma, no doubt. So everyone knows there's a God, but when they are told Ar-Rahman, they say, who is that? And the ones who deny Ar-Rahman, deny Ar-Rahman in whatever language they deny him in, because they're denying what is close. So people are, it's very easy to say that the divine is out there and remote, and most people, though, will reject, deny that, the, that God is close. And that the God is close, and being close is its own veil, so that, we, that they can't see that God is there because God is close. So God out there, uh, fearful, scary to be... Uh, that, that is easy. The God that's Rahma, in whatever language that's close, that's the one that's not seen. So, Omar, if you could recite this last verse. Allahu alladhi rafa'a as-samawati bi ghayri amadin tarawnaha thumma stawa ala al-arsh. God is he who raised the heavens without any pillars that you can see. Then he established himself on the throne. So the distant God versus the one who, the Ar-Rahman who settles on the throne. And the throne is the cosmos, is the world, is then the body. And so the body, which is the vessel then of who? And that one is the one that people deny or reject. Because it's very easy to think of the God out there, remote, and very difficult to see the God who is inside, close. So alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Okay, Shuaib. Can you please elaborate on the idea of know thyself? Know yourself to know your Lord. How do ourself and what is there to know in order to know the Lord? Did I, did I understand it correctly that angels do not know themselves? Uh, if yes, why? Uh, so the astounded angels uh, don't know themselves. Uh, they don't know that they are. They don't know who they are. They don't know anyone around them. All they see is, is their beloved. And so they are astounded. And they're, they, all they see is the beloved. And then the brides of God, the Malamia, the saints, they don't see themselves either. They don't know who they are. And other people don't know who they are. 
And so that's why the Malamiya, uh, they will do whatever they do to, and nothing that they will do will call attention to themselves. And the reason that they don't call attention to themselves is because they are dedicated to the divine. And God then is jealously protective of them so that no one should see them and distract them or divert them from the love that they are giving to God. And so uh, they don't, they can't know themselves because, and so they are in a situation of just being astounded uh, lovers of, the, of their beloved. Uh, the rest of us uh, need to learn that by knowing ourselves first, and then we'll know who the one who made us is and why we were made. So if we know ourselves, we are knowing the entity of who. So Ibn Arabi is saying that this, the, when, when, when who sighed, and the sigh is because I, I want to be recognized, I want to be known, I love to be known, and that's a sigh because it's not there yet. It's something that hasn't, it's not there right now. And so that sigh is warm and vaporous and it creates this mist. The mist is then the entity of who in which all these things are taking place. So if we understand our body, the mist, the entity of who, then we will know where we came from. And we came from the sigh of the one wanting to be loved. Uh, could you please elaborate what is meant by the of Qutub? So the Qutub uh, is a pivot and it's a tent pole. It holds up uh, the, the fabric of creation. And the fabric of creation says that every spot on creation has to have a reason to exist. So there has to be a mirror in every place in creation where Allah sees himself, where the true sees itself. And so every place has to be a mirror which reflects the divine image. And therefore it has to have a tent pole holding it up because the reason for its existence is not to be a mirror and go merrily about its way, it's to reflect the divine. And so the tent pole is every, every part or piece of creation has its own tent pole holding it up saying, this is why I am here. I am here to be the mirror reflecting the divine. And in the same way that there, Ibn Arabi says, there's not a single place in the cosmos where you could put your foot and there wouldn't be an angel there. So wherever you put your foot, you'd be stepping on an angel. And so the whole cosmos is not an empty, vast space. It's all populated. Every particle of it is populated by an angel and populated by a mirror and then populated and held up then by a tent pole. And when that tent pole collapses, there's no reason for anything to be. And so then the, and then this, the whole tent will collapse and something else will then roll into existence. Will you please speak a bit about the verses of Sajda in the Quran? What are they? What is their particular importance? Yes, so uh, the, the way that 
we we look we, we've I think we had one before. So the sajda is is that it's your your heart is the one that prostrates, and then if you can if you're flexible enough to do this kind of prostration, you'll do that. Uh, if you bow, you'll do you'll do something, or your heart will do its bowing, and. So these are the places in the Quran when you hear that verse, uh, the heart says, I'm, I want to prostrate, I want to bow down. And so the heart bows down. Uh, and in this particular one, it was that when they hear, when the, that all the beings prostrate, when they, when they know that they are shadows and they are, their shadows are like a prostration. So here you have the upright self and then the shadow which is falling down this way is as if, as if you're doing sajda. So everybody who's standing up is doing sajda. Some of them are aware of it. Some of them are not aware of it. Some of them don't want to do it. Some of them do want to do it, but everyone is having this shadow accompanying them at every moment at all the time. And so from the perspective of the divine and the perspective of the saints, everyone is a friend, everyone is bowing to the divine. They're demonstrating and they, they, because they can see their shadow and their shadow is indeed bowing down to the divine. And so the rest of us say, how can you see that person doing such a horrible thing? How can you see their shadow? Well, if you see your, their shadow, you would know that they are, uh, they are prostrating, they are doing the sajda. Um, and so, but if you don't see the shadow, all we'll see is people doing good things and bad things. How might we better feel the God close whose best is the body? So this is the, the, the part that is always striking to me is that proximity is its own veil. So something can be too close to you for you to see it. And so, you know, now with the way my eyes are, you know, I have to read something, I go like this. So I understand that very clearly that when things are too close, they're veiled. Um, and so Allah is closer than the jugular vein. And, and then when someone's on the deathbed, closer to that person on the deathbed than you are. And so so close and therefore unseen because the, that the divine is so close. And so, and so it's very easy for for human beings to talk about god there must be some spirit there must be some something larger than me some greater force you know whatever they want to use they can talk about that as the distant one but very few are able to talk about the one that's close and the one that's close is the one that outsiders will say you know when we start talking about the god we see which is who is close then other people might say, oh, it looks like you're worshiping some, a human being or you're worshiping yourself or you're doing this, or you're doing that. And you're saying, no, I'm worshiping right, right inside here. And they say, yeah, but that's you. And I said, no, there's something closer to me than me. And what's closer to than me than me is what we are worshiping, is what I am worshiping. And so uh, this, is, this goes to Ibn Arabi's you know, tremendous respect and love for the body and for nature with the capital N, higher than intellect, higher than intellect, and even the first intellect is nature with the capital N. Um, and so this, and as, as you'll know that historically, most societies have great trouble uh, honoring nature above intellect or honoring uh, the things that are, are the, the feminine over the masculine 
and all of this. So this is this is coming in the closeness of, of the divine. And so Ibn Arabi wants us to, to see how this closeness works. Um, but he'll say like, he'll look at, look at Majnun. Majnun is always saying, oh, I'm separated from Layla. I'm separated from the one I love. And Ibn Arabi says, I am not like Majnun. I don't have his complaint because the one I love is closer than I am. And so my love is never far away. My love is always here. And so the love of the divine, which is here and close, that the way we way we train that is the way we train to see that is to see that behind everything there is the divine. And so this was Abu Bakr. I never see anything, but I see God right behind it. So instead of seeing things that are far away, and, and then we say, oh, then God must be even farther away. We say behind everything, there is the divine. And every reflection that is out there is a reflection of the divine. And everyone who is standing upright has their uh, heart and their shadow in such the Two questions. What is the Arabic name for nature and is nature the tablet? So uh, so it's tabia, tabia, so T-A-B-I-A-N, so ta, tabia. And so tabia, and it's so interesting, we're, we're in better shape uh, when, we, when we translate these areas than Ibn Arabi because he has to say tabia and there's no capital letters in Arabic. So he says, Tabia, I mean this Tabia, not that Tabia. And so he gets, and so he's saying Tabia, the daughter versus Tabia, the mother. And so Tabia, the mother is the capital N. So we can very easily just say capital N, we're talking about the mother. And then the other and the small N is the daughter. And so, um, the, so we're distinguishing between mothers and daughters. And so uh, nature is even the, the first intellect is the pen who writes on the tablet and what they write actually even transcending or even higher than all of that, that motion of the pen and the tablet is nature with the capital N. So the first is the mother. And then the second is the pen, the intellect, the light Muhammad, and then the tablet, the soul um, and, and the body. So even before that, is the mother. And so the first intellect in this passage, Ibn Abi has, can see the future and see that there will come something which the first intellect is potentially, but not actually. And what will be actually was when the first intellect is fully in with this nature, is, is fully birthed from the mother. And the Prophet was called Ummi, which means from his mother, directly from his mother. So he, by being of his mother, Ummi, uh, he became the actual of, the, of what the potentiality of the first intellect was. Um, would you clarify Mamiya, please? So the Malamiya, it comes from Laim, which is to blame. So they blame themselves and other people blame them. And so the reason that they seek that they're characterized by blaming is that uh, they never want to, like when they go to the mosque, they never stay in the same place twice. 
they never do more than the sunnah prayers. Um, they do nothing to call attention to themselves. And so therefore people blame them. They say, oh, look at this person. He just does the minimum of Islam. And so they blame him. Um, and then they blame themselves. They say, you know, I, I, I'm nothing. I have nothing to offer the one that I love. And so that they feel blamed for themselves for not being enough for the one they love. And then others are, are blaming them. And the way others blame them is what keeps them to be devoted and undiverted from their love. Uh, Liz Gray has a question. Yeah, yes. I, I think we've frozen. Liz, see if you can, if you can um, uh, unmute. Ask a bit about the dimensions mm -hmm. at the at the opening of this chapter, yeah. because I was I was fascinated by the uh, the two eyes needed yeah. Yeah. to see this because I immediately thought of the optician's test mm -hmm. for your two eyes working together. Mm -hmm. Which then mean that you can see in, in you can see three dimensional images, right. and somehow that became for me a, a sort of image for this whole chapter. That actually it's the physical body, mm -hmm. and both eyes of your physical body working together right. that carry you into the third dimension. Right. And I wondered if there was something else about the journey into the fourth dimension that seems to be present here right right good but good. i can't grasp it <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and see that's why all of these all these areas are are beyond the purview of the intellect and so they're behind the intellect they're beyond the purview of the intellect so if you take a point right here that point um, has a, has a, you can put a grid around it and say it's, it's six over this way and it's five up this way and you make the little dot there. Now, if there's more than, there's a, if there's a dot behind the dot and another dot behind that dot, then the same grid will say, oh, that's six comma four. It's the same place, six comma four. But we, if we have two eyes, we then rotate the entire you know, apparatus, and then we see, oh, there's a dot behind that dot. So I need one more axis to say that this dot is at three and this dot is at four. So now I need six comma four comma three, and then six comma four comma four. And, and I've been able to, with two eyes, see that this, that the line is not enough to tell me, and the plane is not enough to tell me what's happening. And if I take a, a, a rope, which has you know, you know those reinforced hoses that have the spiraling metal reinforcements. It's a single line until I get close to it. And then I realize that it's actually has depth to it. And in English, when we say something's deep, we're saying something is meaningful. So meaning as depth. So this third dimension is what gives us depth. So stereo, being able to see with two eyes is to be able to see meaning because we see what's deep and what's depth. The other two eyes come the way that the eyes see and then the heart sees. And these are two eyes that have to see. So the heart has, is the first place that the tajeli hits. So the divine tajeli hits the heart and the heart says, I see God. And it's true because that is God. And then the heart says, my eyes cannot see God right now. My eyes cannot see the God that I'm seeing. 
And then the eyes, of course, are seeing the images, the reflections of the divine everywhere. So the eyes say, I see God, there's God, there's God, there's God, there's God. And my heart doesn't see it because the heart is inside my chest. So it doesn't see that this is God, this is God, this is God. So the heart is the place where the heart can say, everything I see is God and isn't God. So it is God seen. And, it's the, and then it is God unseen. And so God is seen and unseen at the same time. And so that's how Allah says that the only place vastly spacious enough for me is the heart, because the heart can say it is and it isn't. It's you and it's not you. And if the heart said only it's you, then, then, then the one who is the subject of you would say, but I'm also something else. And if the heart said, it isn't you, then the one who is the subject of you would say, but it is me. And so mm -hmm. it is me and it isn't me is the, one, is the place where God says, that's big enough for me. That encloses me. If you say I am and I am not, that who and is lahu, that I am God and there's still a God that's unseen. If you can do that, then you've enclosed me and that I will be able to be enclosed by. Nothing else can enclose me. For more than 50 years, I found the kingdom of God within me and spread out upon this. I'm not unusual. Millions upon millions recognize this, but then we find modern concerns and distractions pulling us away and we forget. Thus the need for zikr. So I see folks engaging in remembrance in many ways. This seems to speak the need for universal practices to awake the heart which we have. What we don't have any longer is recognition of who or the mother. Yeah, so that's so, so beautiful. Yeah, and so it, within and then without. And so that, this is the, the imagery that Arbi gives us with the fabrics and that these fabrics are all inter, intertwined. And so if the palatals are connected to Mars, uh, something that's so far away is yet is connected because it's tightly wound. And so I am here and someone is far away and yet we're tightly connected because we're of one fabric. And the water that's coming to us is a single water. That he brings us as Saki water and that water is one water. So it becomes then a remembrance. Uh, it's something that we know, it's something that we knew and it's now something that we need to remember. And so this is the concept of dhikr. Uh, and as you say, it's a universal practice. Whatever, whatever it takes, the guides say, do this, do this. The guides are always saying, what can we do to help people remember what they already know? And then to uh, embody what the truth that they already know, to see that God is not only out there and far away, but also is the vessel, the who, is the entity. And so that remembrance is, is, is difficult and, and many people don't have that. And so that's why the difference between Allah and Arahman in whatever language, you know, the distant God, easy to understand, easy to be afraid of a powerful God who's distant, uh, very much more difficult or rare to see that God is the close one. And so, and so that, that memory, that memory that God is the close one because the first 
moment we see God is the alastu, am I not your creator? And we say, you are. That's the first of the closest of closest of relationships. And then we are pushed far away and then we are separated and we are separated uh, for, for reasons. The engine of, of things being created is to separate them. Um, but so we start out with that and then we get separated and then we spend the rest of our life trying to remember that we were in that place of cherishing. Is nature the same as universal body or if nature rises before first intellect, does nature correspond to the mist or something other again? So nature then in the way Marabi is, is well, he gives us, a, there are different ways of looking at all this sequentially. It's something that isn't a sequence, he has to describe it sequentially. But in this passage here, he was saying that nature is the mist. The mist is the sigh of Huck, of who, and the, the sigh of who is nothing but the entity of who, the ein, the entity of who. And so nature, and so therefore the entity of who, the spatial temporal vessel of who is the sigh of who, which is the mist, which is nature, capital N. And of course, that's pretty scandalous. So therefore, he has to say it with very obscure third person pronouns. <laughs> um, all of us have a tent pole. You've also taught us previously that the deepest of the four levels of love in the Quran is the word wada sinking of the tent pole in the earth and settling of the tent. Can you tell us more about this tent, please? So uh, of the four, the four titles of love, the, the fourth one is Wadud, W-A-D-U-D. And that is from the tent, the stake that holds the tent down, W-A-D-D, so Wad. And so it's the stable love. So we may have to go very quickly through the four. The first one is the seed of love. So this is muhabbat and hub is a seed. So the seed is planted and from the seed, uh, thousands of trees will grow. So the seed, the, the seed of love is planted and from that seed the, of love, all of these great trees grow. So the second one is the, is the is ashk or ishq. And this is a, a, a sweet pea bean. The, the, and the sweet pea vine goes up like this. So ish is when you are, when your body and your soul and your brain and your blood, everything is spiraling up, up, up. And you're getting lightheaded because all the energy is flowing up, up, up. And you're lightheaded and you're pretty crazy and you're just whirling around like a madman. So that's ish. And that's because the sweet pea vine climbs upwards in a spiral. The third one is hawan which is sinking down. And so sinking down is the pounding of love. So the pestle and mortar. So you have this, this uh, silbata, you take a silbata and you go bum, bum, and you pound the things down. And that's another kind of love. And if you know it, you know it, that you're just pounded by love and ow, ow, ow. And so after you're pounded by love, you're a beautiful paste, which can then be used in a wonderful masala. So. That's the third one. And the fourth one is the imagery of, of holding the tent down, but allowing it to rise and fluff up, but also to be held. So the fourth one is wudud. And that's where, if you see yourself as a, a tent, the 
air, the gale, the gust comes and the tent slightly lifts, but doesn't go fly off into crazy land. Um, but it also is so it's it's flexible enough to, to luff and to and to and to move upwards, but it's held down and it's held down not so hard that it would sink to the ground and just fall apart, but that it would just be as it goes up, it can be held down and then it can go down, up and down. So that's the stable love. It's the one that uh, can be have these elements of intoxication and also the elements of of the pain of love, but the pain of love doesn't collapse the tent and the, the uh, intoxication of love doesn't make the tent blow away. So we're, we're really looking for wudud, which is this the way of, of love, which can be uh, not, which can be uh, anchored without being overly firmly anchored, which can be flexible enough to allow all of the parts of love to take place. And so these all come from the seed of love, which is planted in us and then grows and creates all these beautiful trees. Do you see any difference in praying namaz or outside in nature versus get indoors in a more quote, plastic quote environment? Yeah, yeah that, that, uh, along the path there, 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 be, there is a time when we do uh, uh, really begin to appreciate uh, being outside and uh, being among the, the non-human creations. The non-human creations uh, are ones that can be, that can help us uh, see more directly what, what's happening in the world. Whereas in human creations, it's very easy to get distracted. It's very easy to, you know, to absorb the narrative without knowing that you're absorbing the narrative. Um, in the end, though, you'll find that all all technologies are technologies, and uh, they, one can see God behind all of them. Um, but it's it certainly is very easy to get distracted, because uh, because the people operating, developing, inventing all these technologies are usually think that they they have a worldview that they think I know what's going on in this world, and this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so, because they have that permeates into their inventions, uh, it's very hard to use their invention without taking all their baggage or their narrative that comes along with it. So certainly at, at, a, at points in our life, there are times for us to go out and do the prayer on, with Mother Earth, the, head direct, the forehead directly on Mother Earth, and that's absolutely crucial. Um, at some point, we also realized that the prayer rug that's made out of plastics and petroleums, well, petroleum is a is an oil that comes from the from Mother Earth also, <laughs> and so uh, the plastic is is uh, is is as Mother Earth as the dirt is, um, except the plastic though has its own narrative, and so it, it is quite. We need to be remembering that there that to not take the cultural baggage that comes with these technologies. Uh, would you please explain about being connected and or linked with Allah? Please also explain what the meaning of meme and ro is, alif and lam are the two forces. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so the, the connection is, uh, we were talking about the imdad and medet and midad. And so uh, all these words for ink, and so the ink um, is, is the ink gets stretched and it goes onto the page and then writes onto the page and meaning comes out of the page. So the ink pot is the vessel of the ink 
and the ink pot vessel is not anything but the entity of ink itself, which is the other way of saying the who, the vessel of the who is not other than who. So here is the vessel of who, and it is who. Here is the ink, and it is the ink, and the that that pulling the ink from that vessel onto the paper, which we are, our bodies, and writing with our bodies makes meaning. And the ink then, because this is the ink that comes from this ink pot, we can say this ink is who, because who is not other than the entity of who. And so the connection is that medet is, is that make this ink a direct line to this ink on the page, on the paper, on the parchment, on me. And so when we say medet, we are connecting our ink, that's the ink that we think is ours, we are connecting it back to the ink pot, the source where it came from. And so medet is speaking to the source. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that source is absolutely direct. And it's one step away because every breath is a, is a path to Allah. So every breath, Ibn Arabi tells us, is this path that takes us one step back to the source. And it's only possible because what we are is writing of ink and we're going back to the source of ink. And so for what we are is who, and we are going back to the source who is who. And again, scandalous. So that's why we can't say it quite that same way. Ibn Arabi describes uh, the knowledge and the way of Americans, indigenous cultures used to live listening to nature, honoring nature as the mother, etc. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I, I'm always reading between the lines for Ibn Arabi and trying to find out what it was like and what the context is and all that and, and what it would be like to listen to that. And of course you realize, and so he talks about trade and things like that, but uh, this is before, you know, capitalism hits and it's before a lot of these very alienating technologies hit. So, um, and yet the things he, he cautions us about are still valid today and even more valid today. So he might say, you know, beware of this technology uh, called the knife, you know, oh, wow. And, and, and we have to say, beware of this technology called the smartphone and just say, and so uh, he's telling us, don't let technologies divert us, let us understand where they are from and that they don't have, uh, they don't have a, an independent reality and that we are not to be diverted. Um, and so in his time in the 13th and 14th century back then in Andalusia in, uh, in Turkey and elsewhere, uh, there was the technologies were less, uh, perhaps less uh, powerful and therefore less diverting and distracting, um, but they were still there and they're still distracting. So anything can be a distraction when it comes to us. <laughs> so, uh, and so we can maybe say nowadays, our distractions are much more sophisticated. <laughs> um, uh, Lewis posted something, I'm not sure this question, Gmail, I believe Barakala Ufik. Does that oh, make uh, sense? Uh, if it's, so Gmail, so I have a Y mail, so Y mail and it's, it, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's not Gmail, it's Ymail, it's, it's this other Right, thing. okay. okay. Um, I missed the third of the four types of love. What is the third name, please? Oh yeah, see, we can go through. So seed, hub, muhabbat, then ishq, which is ashakabin, so ishq. Three is hawa, H-A-W-A-N, or H-A-W-A, and it means air and sinking and pounding. 
and all of those. So Hawa is uh, is a sinking and pounding kind of love. It's one that pounds you and pulverizes you. And then the fourth then is Wadud. Perfect. Well, it's the first Friday of the month. And as promised, I'm going to remind everyone that this is an opportunity to donate, to give back to Shuabe as he gives so much to us so, so willingly. Um, Aisha has posted both his uh, email address, his physical snail mail address, and above that is the uh, PayPal address. So lots of ways uh, you can uh, give something of yourself uh, in exchange for this wonderful teaching. Okay. So um, thank you so much, Shuei. Okay. Wonderful uh, class. Let me show you the, the uh, most if I put together the book launch uh, poster. So right here. So that's, it's on its way uh, from the ship. And I think he expects it to arrive on June 21st and he'll be able to start sending out copies June 23rd. So, uh, so peerpress.com. So go ahead and, and go there and take care of all of that and get your volume three. It's, it is coming along. <laughs> so good, alhamdulillah. All right, so good to see everyone. Thank you. Thank you, singers and reciters. Thank you so much,